Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Rees is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Welcome to another week of the Candidates Podcast. It's great to have your company again. And I know that uh, many of you have been listening in and uh, been receiving a fair bit of feedback, which is great. But today we have a very special guest, uh, someone that I don't know too well, but someone that I think will inspire uh, the whole nation with her her heart for people and her mission uh, to reach people who are, I guess, struggling in some ways, um, which is really what the Salvation Army is called to do. And that person is Lieutenant Erin Main. So welcome to you, Erin. Thank you. Erin, um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, um, as you said, I'm a, I'm a lieutenant, so I've been with the Salvation Army as an officer. I'm in my third year now. Um, I haven't been a Salvo all my life, probably about seven years now. I've, I came from Gippsland, uh, from the Warrigal Corps. And so you you grew up in Gippsland? No, no, no. I actually <laughs> I actually grew up in Frankston, and I moved to Gippsland for for work. So oh, okay, um, not that long ago, probably about ten years ago, I moved to Gippsland for work. Okay, what was it like growing up in Frankston? And for those of people <laughs> who don't know Frankston, you're listening. So it's how would you describe it? Sort of south. Is it south? Um, it's on the peninsula, so it's... The Mornington Peninsula. Oh, just up from the Mornington Peninsula. Look, it's a lovely area. It's it's very diverse. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even know how to explain it. Look, <laughs> it was just lovely. I grew up going to the beach with my girlfriends. Yep. We lived in Seaford, which is a little suburb off Frankston. Okay, um, yep. We spent all our summers at the beach, which was just gorgeous. Look, it, it, it's got some diverse areas within it. Yeah. Amazing community. I think at one stage it wasn't it sort of the the lowest socioeconomic postcode. There were, you know, and I know those stats can be subjective, yeah. but it wasn't there something many years ago that it was... Look, the, it was, and there are areas that are completely struggling. There, There is a high commission area within Frankston, within the um, outer areas of Frankston, okay. but it also has some of the wealthiest areas as well. Yeah. So it is so diverse, but amazing, amazing. Yeah. The sense of community in all those areas is really strong. That They often don't blend or, or yeah. mix well or play together well, <laughs> I suppose Don't is play the best nicely. way to play. No. Yeah, okay. But each area has its own sense of community and belonging, which, look, I think you find that throughout Australia, but but certainly it it's very obvious in those areas, yeah. Yeah, okay. And you said before you went to Gippsland to work. What, what sort yeah. of work were you involved in? So at that stage I was uh, working within the court system. So I was working in the magistrate's court. Uh, I just finished my traineeship. I, I went into the courts later in life, went back to study later in life. And there was an opportunity to go to Gippsland and to have ongoing, a bit like teaching, if, if there are teachers listening, yeah. uh, you, you do your initial training and then you've got to find an ongoing position. And there was a chance of that happening in Gippsland. So I applied to go to Gippsland, got the, got the job basically. Got the gig. And lived there for a while. That was, that was a little difficult because I had a transition time. I, I have a son and he's an adult now, but he wasn't then. And it was a little difficult. I spent six months traveling backwards and forwards. He stayed with my mum, which was beautiful. Mm. He he stayed in his primary school where he wanted to be uh, while I learnt the ropes around Gippsland. And um, eventually I got uh, the position there of the family violence officer, which was pretty pretty challenging at the time and we had a legislation come change come through at that time as well 
So there was a lot of training in the legislation, um, in the court system for both court users, court staff and outer agencies, even, even uh, some of the police and things like that. So I spent a lot of my time out in the community there on on steering committees and, mm. and things like that so that people could learn the new family violence legislation that we have even now. So you could have done that forever? That was kind of... You, it was a good job. It was a secure role. Yeah. It, it was it was pretty darn good money. <laughs> um, it helped pay for the lifestyle I had then. A great group of people that I worked with. And look, most employment places now, when you log into your computer, there's a phone number you can ring for help. If you, yeah. That's kind of it. We, we, cre- we did create our own peer group support group um, within the courts, but at the end of the day... It's a lot of hassle that you're dealing with, and that phone number often isn't what you want. When was your first encounter with the Salvation Army? <laughs> and this, you'll be a bit surprised about, was actually when I was a child, and uh, I did piano lessons. And ah. I found out many, many, many years later, I, I met up with a gentleman, and we were we were going somewhere to uh, give some money to the Salvation Army. Long story. Anyway, he and I were talking in my car as we were driving along, and I discovered that his mother had been my piano teacher, <laughs> Doesn't sound like much, but then I discovered that she was a Salvationist. And I, by this stage, I was an accepted candidate. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is so weird. Okay. So, look, I've had encounters on and off throughout my life with the Salvation Army. There was my, my piano teacher. Yeah. There, was, uh, there was a beautiful lady who uh, gave us gifts as, as children, who helped us out an awful lot. She, she's now passed. Yeah. Um, but then later in life, as an adult, um, I encountered the Salvation Army through the Frankston Magistrates Court, where I participated. I, I went and I did the Positive Lifestyle Program with um, a chaplain at the Frankston Court. Mm. Do you remember the chaplain's name? Her name was Katie Daddy. Yeah. She's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So how old were you then, do you mind me asking? Old enough to know better. I was, <laughs> I was an adult <laughs> with a, um, you're not getting my age. <laughs> I was an adult with a, uh, a six-year-old son okay. at that stage. So yeah. I had just uh, moved back into the Frankston area. I, um, my son's father had just died or had died 12 months before mm. and wasn't coping with the grief. So I mm. reached out looking for somewhere to get help and I wasn't earning a lot of money at that stage. It was before I'd started working in the courts yeah. and um, was hooked up with the Positive Lifestyle program through her or through the courts and uh, pretty much started my journey. Oh, I was constant denial for another couple of years. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Probably okay. about another four or five years. <laughs> yeah. So when did you, I mean, that's a big gap from sort of starting to go to the salvation of the PLP, yeah. you know, having that wonderful relationship with the chaplain. And then, yeah. then at some point you you went to college, so yeah. I don't know how we're going to bridge that gap. Okay, but so no, we moved to Gippsland, so I did the Positive Lifestyle yes. Program. I got my life in order and went, you know what, I, I need a career, I need something that is financially stable for my son and myself. So I looked into the courts, I did a traineeship through the courts, did that, moved to Gippsland, and whilst we were in Gippsland, um, I just had a strong need to belong somewhere. Mm. I was working at the courts, we were going to the pub two or three times a week, that's how we debriefed mm. on the on the pub work, uh, on the court work, by going to the pub, not <laughs> go pub to, work. You probably go to work to debrief <laughs> on the pub work. <laughs> and there was a guy, we used to go to this pub called the Top Pub in Morwell, and there was this guy there, and every Friday he would come up to me and hand me a war cry. 
every Friday. And I would say to him, I don't need it. Here's five bucks. I don't need it. Yeah. <clears throat> every Friday he'd still come up and give me one. And I remember going home or sitting at home one Saturday and saying to my mum, I think we need to go to church. I'd had a church background. I was raised Catholic. Um, and I literally picked up the yellow pages and I looked at churches in the yellow pages and I saw the salvos and I said to my mum, hey, did you know the salvos were a church? And she was <laughs> like, of course they are. And I said, let's go there. And we did. We went to the Warrigal Corps and honestly were welcomed so much. Yeah. I didn't go back for a couple of weeks because I thought this is scary. A bit overwhelming. Completely. Yeah. But I went back a few weeks later and they remembered my name. They remembered my son's name. They remembered my mum's name. And they said, come sit with us. Man, beautiful, beautiful. And that's, I needed that. I needed somewhere to belong. It was beautiful. And then... God obviously spoke to you in that time. Yes. There must have been some... There was stuff going on at the court. Um, mm. I wanted to be able to give people more and I didn't know what that was. I did talk to God all the time at that stage, but I I don't think I really recognised it as that. You know, I was living a great life. I, I, as I said, I was earning great money. Mm. I, I had a great career. I, I was known in my career. Mm. But that I needed something more and I was being called to something more and I knew it. I knew it and it, it terrified me. I had my papers eventually for, for um, officership to, to go to college in my bag for over 18 months, signed, ready to go, and I never sent them in. And my excuse was I didn't have a photo. <laughs> so so what, uh, was, what was harder to do, leave what was known or go to what was unknown? You know, you're in the courts, you're well-known, mm. you've got a, a great reputation, you're working with lots of people. Yeah. What, what was the hardest part to leave? You know, it wasn't hard to step away from it. I think the hard part was believing in what I was being called to do, believing that I was capable of that. I, you know, to have belief in yourself is, is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But to know about theology, man, that's a scary word. Mm. To 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 understand the Old or New Testament, to 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 be able to speak to people about these things with authority, that was terrifying. It it really was. Going into college, it was just as scary. Probably mm. for six months or so. I don't regret it at all. Mm. I, I truly don't. The 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 knowledge that I've gained. You know, I probably didn't behave the best at college, but the knowledge that I gained within college... <laughs> I find that very hard to believe, Erin. Very, very hard to believe. <laughs> oh, dear. So you, you're at college. Yes. And uh, we were chatting before, and I hope I don't sort of say something you don't want me to say, but you got a little bit bored. And then you ventured off down to... Um... I didn't get bored. Look, the education <laughs> part was really Yes. No, you needed blowing. people. You needed I, people. I just needed a different style of people. And yep. for a while, I just... We were at um, 303 in, in Parkville oh, yep. for the first year of our training. And for a while, I hung out just down the road at 7-Eleven. There were a couple of guys that used to sleep out there. But it got to the point where I needed a bit more. I wasn't doing enough. Yeah. I, I was so used to working 60 plus hours a week. I heard on the grapevine about this thing called recovery and I was like, I wonder what that is. And they were doing a bit of an application process where you could apply to be part of a mm. leadership team on it. So I applied 
I think I pretty much told the principal just after I, just after I was accepted in my application <laughs> that I'd done it because I didn't want to get into trouble. And he look, he was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. I needed to keep my grades up and things like that. But I started on the leadership of, of recovery, which was a group of us sitting down. Background work had already been done. So a group of salvos? Was it all salvos or was it... Uh Absolute beautiful mixture. There are some officers, um, officers that have an understanding of either drug and alcohol, Mm. chaplaincy, those sorts of things. Um, Wonderful drug and alcohol worker who I'm pretty sure she was one of the the starters of this, knowing Mm. that that the people she was working with needed something more in their life. Um, A couple of soldiers as well and a couple of people from um, services at St Kilda. It's now stopped. But they were participants within the service, so they were they were part of the leadership mm. team as well. So we sat around, we, we, we talked about recovery, we learnt an awful lot on drugs and alcohol, the effects, the types of things that were out there. We learnt a lot on behaviours. Um, we we learnt a fair... We learnt so much about the background things of drug and alcohol. Mm. One of the things that we decided very early on was that we would be inclusive. We would have inclusive language. We learnt about language triggers for people. Things like saying father. We, we talk about the Lord all the time, but mm. we we don't reference God to father and things like that because people's backgrounds, these are triggers for them. So that education then is invaluable mm. and it's still ongoing. I still go to forums now on drug and alcohol and on faith and bringing those together. So that we spent, I think it was six or eight weeks, purely every Wednesday night learning. 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 So if we fast forward, because I really want to talk about the recovery yep. church stuff, yeah. which is really exciting, but you you got you went yes. to the Richmond Corps, then you yes. went to the Collingwood Justice Centre, which was part of the same appointment, is that? Or no, they, I know that. So I was at Richmond for a year and then I went to uh, Collingwood yes. as a chaplain there and at the same time I was a lead officer of uh, Recovery Church right. at Mooney Valley, yeah. And then? And now this year I'm at Mooney Valley full-time. So I run the Mooney Valley Core yep. and the Recovery Church. So Core being defined Traditional as core. The stuff on Sunday? Like yep. as a, yeah, and Sunday then... and women's groups and, th- and things yeah. like that. Well, I'm going to talk about that because I reckon how those... T- to go hand in hand is really unique and special. So Recovery Church, for yeah. people who uh, aren't aware of it, what what is it? Wow. Okay. So, look, there are recovery churches throughout Australia, and I, and I thank God for that. It is a place that is safe. It's a place for people who are exploring a different way of life. Within the recovery church that we run, um, we have a zero tolerance on people coming affected So many of our friends that come along, many of our community are absolutely already in recovery Mm -hmm. from alcohol or drugs. We have other people, of course, that are suffering from depression. We have gamblers. Mm. It's it's a whole gamut of things that you're in recovery from. It's a place to explore a new life. So if if someone's been in detox, okay, and they've been in one of our programs... That is fantastic. That is so good. But when they walk out, they're pretty much left on their own. We, we try to link people up into churches, but unfortunately, a lot of people in recovery don't fit within the, within the realm of, of 
and I'm not knocking Sunday congregations. I'm not no, no, absolutely no. worthy, beautiful places to mm. be. But these guys don't often fit. Mm. This is a place where everyone fits. We have officers come along that are in recovery, not recovery from drugs and alcohol, but recovery from life. This is a place where you can explore where you're at and where God fits into that. For many of our guys, it's their first experience of God. Mm. It's their first experience of community since they were children. And the communities that they were in as children were often damaging. The family lives they had as children were very, very damaging. This is a place where they can sit and be absolutely safe, that they can express themselves in whatever way they need to, whatever way suits them. Mm. And they can belong. It, it's all about belonging. Mm. And I'm saying they, they, we use inclusive language. We don't use us and them. That's not what this is about. We're a community together growing with God. It's beautiful. So what, what does a, a typical, so it's on a Wednesday night? Absolutely. Yep. What, what, is, what does the service look like? I, I, it, it depends. I, it depends. Okay. I was so, going to say, what does a typical service look like? But there, yeah, there's no there's typical. Probably no... So we, we start our night, we start our evening with a meal. Okay, our meal starts at six o'clock. More often than not, we have people there from quarter past five sitting around talking, having a coffee, having a smoke, um, just just talking. Mm. So we have our meal, which fresh food every week. So who cooks that? Oh, we have two wonderful guys. We, okay. we have, uh, well, we have more than two, but uh, Peter, Peter Stark, he's, he's oh, yeah. our main cook. Yeah, yeah. And Brett Stobie from... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. So... They are our cooks. We have a lovely lady that's just volunteered. Her name is Sue. She started up. But we have two other guys as well, um, Michael and Ricky, who will often come and help out as well. Look, it's a big job. At the moment, we're averaging probably between 30 and 36. Okay. They do a magnificent job, absolutely Excellent. magnificent job. So we start with the meal and after the meal, there's a little bit of time, maybe 10 minutes before the service starts, everyone pitches in. We pack up the room, we pack up the tables, we do all the yeah. dishes, everyone participates. And it's like a rush to who's doing the dishes yeah. and who's so going to vacuum. Ownership. Is that, absolute yeah. ownership. Absolute ownership. Yeah. Absolutely. From day one, from when we sat around that table discussing how it was going to run, ownership was the main thing. Absolutely the main sh thing. So our service starts at seven o'clock. It probably starts off the same as any other service with, hi, welcome. Yeah. So glad to see you back. One thing we do, we have caramella koalas. So if you're new, oh, you get a caramella koala. And nice. if you bring someone... You get two. They get one and you get one. <laughs> so, uh, look, it's a bit of a bribe, but it's fantastic. And yeah. people love it. People okay. love it. So we start off our service with a welcome and with that. We're just saying welcome, so pleased that you're here. Because we are. We are really pleased. Most of our services... Look, we're talking about lifestyle here. We have scripture. We have songs. We probably have newer songs than than a lot of the Sunday. And we try different things. Whatever is going to connect people with God is what mm. we'll use. We will we've used TV ads, we've used yeah, yeah. we've used music. I'll put Tracy English in. She she used a Justin Bieber song last week. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, how could you? But um we'll use Well because we'll, she's got no musical taste, maybe. <gasps> I don't know. Oh Justin we, Bieber, seriously. Anyway, um, Tracy's great, but maybe her music taste is... Oh, no, no, no. She's fantastic. Okay. She's fantastic. <laughs> Our leaders are fantastic and they, they get it. 
often we'll have a segment. So we'll, we'll have some music to start with and we'll have a segment where we're exploring something. We might be exploring community. What is community? And that's not for us to be saying anything. Our community talks into that. We might do it with a whiteboard. We might do activities around it. It's not ours. We don't own this. The ownership is with the community and we've got to give that back. We've got to show that that we, we don't we don't know anything. Yeah. We do. We have an understanding, but the, the true knowledge is coming from our community. And from each other. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about addiction. We'll talk about the difficulties in overcoming situations. Mm. We'll lead the discussion, but then it will be taken over by the community. When we do that, it can be difficult. It it can be really difficult for people. But it can also be very, very re- rewarding. When you say difficult, like does it trigger? It can some trigger stuff? things. It yeah. can trigger things. So we need to be delicate. We need to be conscious of our language, and we need to be conscious of what we feel in the room. You know, tensions can build not between the community, but in the things that we're saying. So we we are on the lookout. We have chaplains that are coming from our services and bringing people along, and they. Look, we're not watching over people and, and, you know, sort of stalking them, but we're we're aware when tensions are building. So from that, from that activity that we do, that will lead into our scripture and it will deliberately lead into our scripture and then our scripture will go into our message. The message isn't long. It's probably only 10, maybe 15 minutes long. 15 will be pushing Mm. it, but it all links in together. Everything links beautifully We'll have more music after that. We'll, you know, people talk about the mercy seat, okay? People talk about it like like it's a thing of the past. No way. No. Nah. Tell, me, tell me about that. We, we, we had some people the other week that came to the mercy seat. They just see it as a place where they can get prayer and they can... Mm. What the mercy seat is meant to be. Mm. The following week, we, we had our highest numbers for the year. We had 44 people there. And we did, we said, if you would like prayer, you can stay in your seat, put up your hand, or you can come forward. We will pray with you. Our mercy seats were full, and it was full because the lady that we had prayed for the week before went up with her friend and prayed for her friend at the mercy seat. We had a, we had a lady sitting in the middle of the aisle praying. You know, we want to experience God and we want people to understand that God is there with them and they are experiencing it. And it's amazing, absolutely amazing. I can't believe I'm blessed that I'm allowed to be in this situation to see these things, to see lives transforming. We have people that have not touched alcohol or drugs for over 12 months. We have people that are giving their testimony freely and encouraging their friends and neighbours to come along as well and bringing them. We have a community now that has grown to the point where now, last year I was spending maybe 10 or 12 hours a week on the phone alone, just catching up with people. Mm. We now have a community that's starting to do that. In three years, it's gone from we've got this idea to a community that has formed and are supporting each other. And they, if they're unable to contact them, they'll let us know. They'll let me know. And then I'll start ringing as well. We have a thing uh, during our offering. There's a prayer card if you would like prayer. Write it down, pop it, in, pop it in the offering bag. 
If you want us to contact you, put your phone number on it. If you only want to text, we'll text. Yeah. If you want a phone call, we'll phone. If you want an email. I'm getting seven or eight a week, a week asking for prayer. And the beauty of it is without names, I take that to the Sunday congregation and they pray. So what has it done for the other congregation? Oh, they're not... just amazing. A lady there or two ladies there who started making mug mats. Now, it's a mat a that you put your coffee on. Oh, right. Okay, it's a little quilted mat. What's oh, quilted? Quilted. Mm. It has scripture on it. Oh, yeah. It has uplifting phrases on it. And they pray while they make these and then they give them to me and I give them out at recovery. Amazing. Amazing. We have two people that come each fortnight to recovery and they sit there. They, they don't engage a lot with community. They pray the whole time they're there. We need prayer. We need prayer so much. And beautiful congregation at Mooney Valley, the Sunday congregation, are praying for our Wednesday night people. Yep. We've had, we had Christmas together. We had a Christmas service at Recovery where we were blessed. The Moreland Band, a few people from the oh, Moreland yes, Band yeah. came along and a beautiful choir who some of the star songsters are in, are in this choir came along and sang. I think we had 84 people there that night. Everyone sat together. There was no, you're over there and you're over here. There, there was none of that. We sat together. People talked in between the breaks. They sat, they leant over and talked to each other. There were no boundaries and that's the way it should be. Yeah, it's so, it's so inspiring because I know there's a lot of, yeah, there's probably a lot of core in the same position and I, yeah. I, I don't want to, I mean, Mooney Ponds as it was back in the day was a yeah, thriving, you absolutely. know, core was, you know, was well known and probably a full hall and yeah. and, and things change for a whole range of reasons and re reimagining what could be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, who would have thought that Recovery Church would be a part of that? It's, it's, Look, it's it, And it's actually nothing new to us. No. Th- those, this, the kind of service you're talking about is nothing new to the Salvation Army. Absolutely not. It's just... It's um, almost like we've gone back 100 years and, yeah. and it works. It absolutely it's, works. You know, do we go to our grassroots? Yes, we have to look at the situations people are in now. We have to have an understanding. And if we don't have that understanding then we've got to learn it. Yeah. We've, we've got to learn. We've got to see the experiences people are having. And I understand the fear in that. I mm. understand that. That's a pretty scary area yeah. to step into. But the delight that you get and, and the, the blessings that you get along the way are so worth that bit of education. Yeah. If you spend two or three weeks educating yourself and then finding a course, finding something that can hook you in with that, it makes a difference. It absolutely does. Yeah. I, I wish every call had something like this. I, I was blessed. I went to New Zealand last year and I was able to look at the recovery over in New Zealand okay. and to make some comparisons. And we're doing amazing. We're, we're not behind. We're not yeah. We're not doing it wrong. Yep. I don't know that we're the forefront, but we are offering something that the people are lacking in their lives. We're offering a safe community. And hope. Absolutely. Yeah, it hope. can be such a cliche, we offer hope, but no, to no. people in circumstances you're talking about, um, hope, hope is... is uh, gone. Yeah. It, it's not there. It's, it's not rarity. even really in the vocabulary of the people that we're dealing with. Um, it's day-to-day life. It's living really on the edge. Mm. Well. But the transformation that takes place... 
it it still happens. People people go, oh, yeah. It happens. There is transformation happening every single day, and certainly on on our nights, we get to witness it. For for anyone that is scared, come. Do you have contact with? Um, the recovery church during the week, apart from yep. the phone, is there yep. other so activities? So I have a Bible study that okay. runs on a Tuesday afternoon. Mm. So I have Bible study. I also run, uh, do PLPs, the Positive Lifestyle Program. Yep. Okay. Um, and I have three people doing adherency at the moment. But it's not only that. We catch up for coffee. Um, I have lunch with a couple of people. It's a lot of phone work, I've got yeah, to say. Yeah. It's an awful <laughs> lot of phone work. But it's worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So let, because the podcast is really – the conversation is around helping people exploring ministry. And yeah. I mean, obviously this is brilliant. And there'll be people who can listen to this who are core officers or, yeah. you know, thinking about core stuff. But did you ever imagine – Me doing this sort of thing? Yeah. Never. Never in a million years. Because, I wouldn't have Because known. you never thought you'd have the opportunity or because you never thought never you were good enough? Never thought about it. I was never good enough. I was, I was, man, I used to drink. I used to drink. <laughs> I wasn't the best person. You know, I was a person. I was living my life. Mm. Um, that, what could I give? I've got nothing to give someone from a life that I, I don't know. I didn't go that far down. I didn't end up there. I, I had a great upbringing. You know, I knew who I was, but I didn't have what they've, I didn't experience what, what these guys have gone through, but it doesn't matter. All I've got to do is love. And that's what we're sent to do is, is to love. Before I became an officer, I wanted to do something, but, and I'm not being rude, but drunk people scared me and, and people on drugs, oh my goodness, crossed to the other side of the road. But yep. if you look at them... That could be me. But for the grace of God, that could be me. Erin, about 12 months ago, my wife went, met, met you and she said to me, you need to meet Erin from Mooney Valley, right? I said, okay, why? She said, because what one what she's doing is great and it'll resonate. And, and then when we started the podcast, like, you need to talk to Erin, you need to talk to Erin because it's an inspiring story. Not yours as your story, but the story of Mooney Valley that now have a an amazing ministry to the the community around them and to the other programs that are around them that you said have come along. So, thank you for taking the time. Well, thank to talk you for the opportunity. Now, do you need anything? Like, do you need do you need volunteers here <laughs> in Melbourne? We need volunteers. We All need right. musicians. <laughs> absolutely. Let's go. You, you need musicians. I need musicians. Okay. Um, we've had a few um, officers who have moved away who yeah. have been our musicians. You don't need to be an officer. Yeah. You, you don't need to be an officer. We we need musicians. And you're not talking about people committing every week necessarily. No, right? no. We we have a roster. We even have a preaching roster. So we just need people who who. Who love God and want and want to share that, but yeah. musicians is a is a big thing we need at the moment. Our roster, I think, is a six week roster, yep. so it's once every six weeks. Um, if you want to come and volunteer cooking, if you want to come and volunteer to to talk to people, I need someone to do my lawns. I'll say that. <laughs> but if you want, so to have come, you got someone to do your lawns? No, that's me at the moment. Oh, at home. No, at about. the court. Oh, at the court. Okay, so we need someone to do the lawns. <laughs> no, but yeah. honestly, f- for recovery. Musicians, we absolutely need um, anyone that wants to volunteer, either in in cooking or serving. Anyone that wants to come 
and talk. Even would you be happy? Even people exploring ministry Absolutely. in the Salvation Army who live come, in Melbourne obviously could come down and come connect, and see connect a different with you expression. And, because and, it is a different expression yeah. and every single week is different. The participants are different. The community is different. The the preachers are different. You will see community. You will see the love of God and you will see others caring for others. So absolutely come along. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much. Thank I, th- I you. think you're a star. I, th- I, I love what you're doing and I think um, we can learn so much from people like you that have led the way, you know, in terms of you've got core and sort of shaking the tree a little bit and reinvigorating it and seeing lives transformed um, through community, but through a faith community where people believe in Jesus. We've got to give people back to God. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for more about Officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore Officership further, please speak to your local Corps Officer or Candidate Secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?